is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Series 6, Episode 39. Craig Cutchison, Damien Barrett with you in... The Southbank Studios, Hutchie, I want to start today with rules for some. It's back. We haven't done it for some weeks, but Novak Djokovic is the rules for some topic today. Hello. Good morning to you on this particular Tuesday. Nice to see you, Damien. I can see you're three and a half weeks into your 22 weeks leave. Thanks haven't for taking yet. a brief, brief break from it for us. Haven't started yet. I can yet. see the salt and pepper beard erupting, which is always a good sign of the long summer ahead for Damo as he... He moves into his own hermit kingdom. They use the new parlance in COVID. Hello, Damo. And rules for some. So yeah, you're going to start here with, with well, we, the we Joker. Just, we just, we've always said, Archie, it depends on basically who you are as to how a certain cause, how an issue will play out. And when you're the world's best tennis player and, and quite possibly the world's best ever tennis player, there, there's rules for you. And I raise it today, Hutchie, because as we speak, and this story will develop and continue to evolve over the next few uh, days and weeks and, and, and maybe even months if there's enough runway left before the Aussie Open starts. But we were told uh, in no uncertain terms quite recently as Victorians that you needed to be double vaxxed to pretty much do anything. And, and I get that. I've played by the rules to the nth degree on all of this. As we speak this morning on this particular Tuesday of this week, uh, there is a scenario at play where there could be a rule for Novak Djokovic to come into this country unvaxxed and play a sporting event. Well, it doesn't pass the sniff test as of today because you're right, the community has been told the rules, like them or lump them are the rules and deal with it. The ambiguity in this is Sydney's rules aren't consistent with this. So there's and there's a new premier who's hovering around big events, and you got an influential tennis player who's been chair of the committee, and there's a whole bunch of things in the background. I'm not saying that New South Wales about to launch a raid for the Australian Open, but up the road, December one, there is a, an unvaccinated pathway out, and the Victorian government is saying it's well into 2022. I don't think he plays at the moment. I don't think he passes the okay, test. Okay, you say that, but okay, we, we had yesterday a sports minister, Martin Pakula, and then a premier, Dan Andrews, both speak publicly after this story was revealed by the tennis writer, um, I should know his name, actually. That's I should okay. know his name, but we'll get back to that. But they didn't shoot it down, Hutchie. They, they started talking the way they always talk, politicians. Oh, well, it's a federal government issue. I can't, they, they actually said, I can't imagine an unvaxxed person being allowed to come into the country. That's not them, him, that's not Pakula or Andrew saying, no, he's not playing. Because that would have been the true leadership of this government at the moment. No, no, he's not playing. He's not playing. But guess what? They didn't say that. Well, the path into the country is via the federal government. Yes. So that is beyond their control. That is fair and reasonable. That, that, that's fine. He can get in the country, but he can't play their event in their state. Yeah. Where they can, where they do have the ability to preclude him is to attend the venue, right? That's, that's within their realm. Because you, as a as a as a punter, will not be allowed to be scanned in without proof of double vaccination. Yeah, I, I, have they actually officially said that? You know, I think that's the way it's going to go. But have they officially committed to that position? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. they've committed to that. Look, I mean, the workers have. I think to they're get double vax touch. I think they're trying to delay the hard decision. Of course they are. That's what they do. Because there is a chance he chooses not to come anyway. You know what? I'd say stuff yeah. You're not you're not playing. This is our event. We've made, we've we've subjected our people in this state to this rule. We don't care who you are. Yeah, let me run the reverse of that though. Do you need to commit to that position publicly now? No, no, you don't. And upset he and many other 
global players potentially if you get there anyway? I, I, look, like, do you need can can you not just buy yourself the time to have that haggled out behind closed doors? What, what's, what's it say to you as a leader, Hutchie? And, and you know my views on these people well, anyway. But what yeah, does it I'm, say? I mean, in, stand for something in life. No, I, I, I understand that argument. I think he's been stronger than nearly anyone else. Oh, he's been, for, for all of the errors and for all whatever side of politics you sit on, you can't dispute in the last week or two he's been tougher on. Vaccine, then but has, like, has he? Well, he has, has he really? Yeah, I mean, well, he, well, this is its first true test. The world's greatest tennis player, tennis player wants to come to his town, and he's not saying you're not playing. Yeah, but he's not saying he is either. Oh, like like sometimes, like let's use the NBA example. Adam Silver has a important and complicated relationship with the global tennis players, right? The global basketballs. basketballs yeah. Excuse yes. me. Early in the morning, global basketballs. He was able to just sit back a little bit. To allow states and stadia yeah. to play the bad guy. Yep. And then he's got to come in late with his own version of As things. the AFL has the done AFL's to a point. But, but they're stronger than Daniel Andrews. They, they, they this week, or late last week, yep. they decided to effectively mandate. Now, there'll, be, there'll be wiggle room on it. There'll be exemptions given. But their policy in writing states very strongly what it is that you have to do in order to be able to play and even train. They've timed their run. Really well, yeah, I think. Yeah. And and as we forecast, they were a bit tougher than people thought they would be. Well, you forecast that more than I did, but yes. But again, they had to because yep. training starts so for you AFLW. Want, you want leadership. I'm, I'm here saying you can get that sometimes via negotiation. There's a few unknowns here. Is he going to get vaccinated? He hasn't hasn't said his vaccination status. I we, don't care. Hang, I, I, hang on a minute. We, we assume he isn't. Yeah, we assume. But we don't know. No, he might be for all What's we What's Tennis's view? Are they going to mandate it? They no, no, no. This is all this is all irrelevant, Hutchie. There's three bodies at play here. There's there's the federal government, as you say. Do you get into the country? I mean, that's the starting yep. point. But again, ultimately, that's superfluous to this tennis I, event. My, you've got Tennis Australia, and you've got the state government. One of those two other bodies, Tennis Tennis Australia, could put its hand up and say, "Hey, we're not we're not comfortable." That was my point just then. Were your ears painted on? Are your ears painted on this morning? That was my exact point. What have you said? I said there's a whole bunch of scenarios of people that could say no before they have to. They might be just sitting back a little bit to assess the temperature on does he get vaccinated or doesn't he, what's tenancy's view going to be and what the Fed's going to say. When they get all those things lined up, they might not have to make the call. If they need to make the call, I think they will. I think they'll say, you're not playing. The true, the true leadership call would be to make it right now so that others have to make the call. Yeah, but do, do you inflame a situation before you know all the facts if you do that? Why not? Why not? I'm not... I- I'm not as certain they're quite there yet on that. So as they both spoke last night, and they both had chances, Pakula and Andrews, to say something of strength. They both chose to do as they do, dance around it, yep. and say it's someone else's decision before they have to make a decision. So, yep. No, no, but they're, they're adamant, Hutchie. We, I heard it last week with his own words and his own mannerisms. If you want to attend the Australian Open, you must be double-vaxxed, yep. which, which I don't have a problem with, if, if that's the rules. I think the Melbourne community would expect that of the tournament. I know in the US Open you could play unvaccinated. You couldn't go unless you were vaccinated, I think, but you could certainly play if you weren't. You've been able to play the US Open unvaccinated. That's a fact. The global tennis players are going to expect that. They've sorted out the quarantine issue, clearly, so that's a, that's yep. a win. I don't think the Victorian public are going to, would accept an unvaccinated player playing in front of a vaccinated community that we've all gone through for the sake of the greater good, given what we've been through. Yeah. I think he'll be booed off the court. And so I'm not sure he comes anyway. That's my view. Mm. It might go the other way. Um, I think if it gets that, they'll they'll determine it. At some point in 22, 
at some point they're yeah. going to release the unvaccinated versus vaccinated economy, aren't they? Yeah, of course. Well, well, who knows, Archie? You knows what this government? Well, does. What happened to that was this January the government, 15. Archie? That was that was so adamant that that they shut down playgrounds. I mean, they could they could form a view on that, and they could put off that red and white tape around a playground and be so firm and and hard on those kids that you've got. You're not they're not you're not taken into a playground, but the, that right now. Right now, they're second-guessing themselves. Would you run into, run into Dave Colbert and Tony Tarty on the way here for a coffee this morning, did you? Tony you turned angry this morning? Oh. <laughs> I'm just, not laughing at the issue. It's a terrible issue, but, yeah, my goodness. You're angry. You're nice and worked is, up. There's rules for some, Hutchie. There are, well, I guess there are. We'll find out if there's rules for some rules for others. No, there's I don't, rules for some. I don't think it's in their political interest to allow him to play at the moment. I don't think it passes the public sniff test. But it's, it is a long way away. And if you can get someone else to do the heavy lifting over the next eight weeks, why wouldn't you? This is the government, Hutchie. They're, it's the body that's meant to do the heavy lifting. My, they will swing with the breeze on this. Well, well, of course they do. And the, I think the breeze is, is on their side. The breeze says he doesn't play. This is the polling breeze as opposed to the scientific health breeze? Is it, they're different breezes? Yeah. It's different for, winds? For, it's all, it's all, if you, in case you're in any doubt, it was a health and political and economic crisis for the first 18 months. It's now just a political crisis. <laughs> Really, like the, the government, not, are, the government are going to make decisions that I'd still think from here that, that point I'd, to re-election. Government, I think. yeah, I think the um, the polling the polling issue was actually still the driving force initially too, Hutchie. Which um, it's another topic for another day. Um, I know I sound like a sympathiser of every government. State well, you do because you take money out of them for your businesses. It is a bloody hard thing. That's all I say. Like pe- pe- keep a little bit of perspective. I know they made a million mistakes everywhere. It's, the feds in the states. It's less hard if you're staunch on your views and your ability to stand up and say something and carry it out. It's, it's less hard. Yeah, it is. At least always, you know where you stand. It doesn't always make you right. Gladys was staunch and made one mistake, which even like I, I made a mistake assessing Gladys. Well, Gladys has made more than one mistake, actually, the way the yeah. ICAC thing's playing out. Do we want to go down that path and as the new, well? And the new rolled in like a new sheriff has in town, he, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got everyone worried, this new bloke. Got all, he's got them all on the hop. He Everyone, does. hang on, just, just before we let you go there, I hadn't thought of the uh, New South Wales part of the Australian Open. Are you, are you, did you throw that up as just a part of the conversation or is it, could they try and steal that as well as the Grand Prix? He, well, it's not happening this year or anytime soon because of the contracts, but he is on the record saying they want major events. There's already been the story on the Sydney News, the raid for the Australian Grand, Grand Prix, Prix yeah. and then the reaction from Melbourne was the one I've discussed. But he commented on it the next day. The place is open first. Uh, he's, or Gladys forecast an unvaccinated release on the 1st of December, which I think everyone's still struggling to get their heads around. It, those who, are, who The vaccinated community is still looking at that with a bit of a curious look, I guess, depending on what side of the spectrum you sit. So, yeah, you know, don't discount market pressures at some point in the future too. The AFL, I thought, Hutchie, when they did release their policy, um, did it well. There you go. You were you were doomsday. You said it won't be that hard, and they'll work around it. And you were you were cynical about them. I sat in this chair. You, you, you don't even remember what I said. You only you only saying that because I just admitted that you had a different view to me last I week. I sat in this chair and said to you, it'd be you wouldn't tough. even know what I said. It'd be tougher than you think. He didn't want to buy it. He said, "I'll take a short step on this." I said, "They won't," and they didn't. There will still be unvaccinated players playing the game next year. You know that, don't you? With medical exemptions. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be a lot of them. Which is exactly a what, lot in in a relative term, aren't you? How many is a lot? Ah. Uh, Multiple players at clubs. It'll never get known or publicly. Yeah. yeah. And the other aspect of it too, and, I, and I, I don't have an issue with this, but there's also going to be maybe some that don't get the exemption and that particular player until, as you rightly refer, until it's all released where you can just do whatever you want regardless, um, will be missing matches of football yeah, no, 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 for, for reasons that don't 
get publicly yep. linked to that's, that. I think that's fair enough. I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, I don't if have an issue with that. I think the privacy component too is valid. If you go back 10 months on the sounding board, it went exactly the way we said it would. They would mandate it, but have exemptions for medical reasons. Yeah. Exactly as we forecast a long time back. Yep. So it's gone the way we thought. Hey, bit of fun just to break it up for a bit. Yep. We're watching very closely the Tom Brown and Mitch Cleary duke oh, out. We're not going there again. On the even, I'm, I'm, even I'm a bit tired of this story. But I want to talk about Mitch for a moment. Okay. Because he's our boy. He's alumni. <laughs> He's alumni. He's a, he's sounding a sounding board, board alumni. alumni. He's the original producer. Didn't have his heart in it, though, did he? he no. I think he, he thought he was above producing this when he when you oh, made him producer. No, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> no, the last 12 months he basically dialed it in, really, let's be honest. <laughs> Every challenge we set him, we were further away the next week than the week before. He could have got any of those things we asked him to do if he cared. <laughs> So we understand. He snatched it. Off he went. That's fair enough. You didn't talk to him? He's gone on and done bigger and greater things. You still haven't spoken to him since he left? TV news, right? So the, the battle between the PR firms and the and the publisher is where I wanted to angle with this. How many times in your life, because I'm coming to Mitch here, yeah. have you been pitched a story by a PR company Yeah. when the PR company generally wants you to cover it because it's in their interest to promote the product? Yeah. You don't want to do the story. But the PR company's got access to the subject. The PR subject. company's got yeah. access to something that you want. Yeah. How many times in your career? Uh, more, than I, more than I would be, uh, would be uh, well, likely to admit, Hutchie. Let me play the prices right on this. <laughs> yeah, okay. 500 times? Not 500. You? 500 times? Higher or lower? Uh, you, you would be higher. I'll go higher? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go lower than 500, but- 1,000 times? Um, let's go with dozens of times for me. But you, you could be a Higher. thousand. <laughs> <laughs> My point is this. We talked a bit about it in the early series of the Sounding Board. There is a dance between the publicist and the platform. Yep. And the publicist dangles access, <laughs> but they want the access to talk about their product. And your view is you, you take it every time. Every time. <laughs> Whereas my view is you analyse it, you work out what can you present yep. to the public that doesn't make you look too compromised. That's it. You just say take it, which which I'm take coming it. around to more as I get older. But when you, when you take the goods, yep. you have an obligation to tick the PR box. <laughs> and in television news, having done it for 10 years myself, it is really hard because you've got one minute and five seconds to get your story in and tick the box on the PR. And, and knowing you, Hutchie, you, you would care less about the PR side of it than Anyone in the industry, and and, the, and also the viewer, he or she does not care one bit either. They don't, they don't, you got to, but you got to do the right thing because it's it's a small town, reputation is everything, and you're getting the seven oh one call from the publicist. What the hell? I gave you access to so and so. You didn't mention my product today, <laughs> and so you got to find a way to, to to serve all masters. Yep, and that's a very tricky thing to do. Mitch confronted it for the first time on Friday in his TV career. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I sat home. I got the popcorn ready. I saw the promo. I thought, I'm going to watch this see how he pays it off. This was the conundrum he had. Right. Joel Selwood was made available to him. Okay. Yep. Now, he is a, a Geelong fan who writes, he used to write about the cats ad nauseum. B, Selwood is newsworthy because well, of the captain. He's still, he's still elite media access yep. talent, so yes. Yep. But C, he's got this awkward problem where the people that have offered the interview yep. is the off-the-track Racing Victoria program and their public relations company who need him to mention the retired racehorses uh, angle because that's a burning angle right now in society. And, and Joel's become an ambassador for Joel's this. an ambassador. Right. He's being paid by them to promote that product. Yep. He gets a minute 05. You take that to the news director on a Friday. So, look, the good news is... No, do you just take the story? I've got Joel today. I've got Joel today. When, when, do, you, when do you broach the other bit? 
Oh, the news director's seen this. The news director's oh, okay. seen the emperor without its clothes. Actually, the news director knows, might have brought the story the to Mitch. News director would have spotted it quicker than I did. <laughs> so anyway, this is how he went about it, uh, Mitch. He thought, righto. Gets a big intro from Tim Watson, exclusive with Joel Selwood, inside AFL. He's going to play on. He wants to stay captain. Big intro so from Tim. So he can sell that hard, can't you? Tim sells it hard. Yeah. Mitch starts his story with the pictures of Joel, his wife, and the horse. Here it is. On hand, visiting retired racehorses today. <laughs> Joel Selwood isn't thinking about next year as his last and going out to pasture just yet. Picture of the horse, okay. Box. And the little, and can I hear that again? The little horsey, the horse is walking on the, on the concrete. Here we go. On hand, visiting retired racehorses today. <laughs> that little happy laugh. I can hear the talk. Happy laugh insert. So now he's away. He can get into the body of his story. I'm not going at the pasture yet, Joel Selwood. Then he says, gets to the middle of the story, and he says, gets the nugget he wants, which is the captaincy grab. Understanding the club and being there for a long time, um, probably know where the club's at more than um, people on the outside that have their opinions too. So there will be a time. Um, not just shorts. Bingo, not just shorts now. So he's got the angle. Joel's not quitting as captain. Now he's left with the awkward, how do I sort this PR business out on the way out? And this is how he did as he wrapped up his story. Selwood and wife Britt continuing their racing association this spring, visiting Fiona McIntyre's farm as part of Racing Victoria's Off the Track program. This year it's more about seeing what the racehorses do after the races for us. Mitch Cleary, 7 News. There it is. <laughs> so in a minute 05, he's got a cheesy shot of the horse at the front. He's got his story in the middle, Damo. And then he finishes with so, about the off the track. So every single box has got ticked. Bingo. He's just passed his first litmus test. His first PR requirement on the live news. Tell me, would you, would you have led with the, the fluffy bit at the start? There? 100% I would have. Oh, you would have? Yeah. So you, you do that, do you? Well, you've got you to find an angle that kind of links the two. And he did there, that. There was no linking between a horse well, retiring said, and living in a paddock with, yeah, with a, Joel Selwood being captain next year. There's no, no link. No, there is. No, there's, he, there's an obvious link. He, the future? In his, yeah, is he's, Joel going to go to the paddock as well, is he? Is it? The second line of his story said, while the horses are out the paddock, Joel's not ready for the pasture just yet. <laughs> That's actually quite clever. So he found the angle, and then he probably would have had to go. He would have sent the story off to the PR company. Hey, just to grab that a good mention at the end. There's also a link on our Facebook. We would have done something like that. And he passed then, his first test. And then you would have then texted both the PR company, as you said, and and Joel himself. I've made sure I've got the reference yeah, in there, Joel. Looked to, after you tonight, yeah, Joel. With your yeah, relationship. yeah, thanks, Mitch. <laughs> Came across well. <laughs> anyway, I had, a, I had a little chuckle when I watched it. So, so when that comes into the newsroom and they give that to Mitch and not Tom, what happens there? Well, I don't know if it was an allocated. I don't know if it was a fish out, was it? Oh, Tom, does Tom work Fridays? He might not work Fridays. I don't know. It, it might have been a self-generated fish out. <laughs> <laughs> you know the fish out yarns? Yeah, I think Tom's on holidays anyway, isn't he? Is he? Yeah. See, that's yeah. the other thing. He's in the, he's in the awkward situation where he, he can't take annual leave, Mitch, because he's just rolled in the door. He's got to do all the cheesy summer stories. And Tom won't want to be taking annual leave while Mitch has just started. He couldn't get me near and near room from about October to February. <laughs> 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 I was a bit like a bit like you, except I had to go to work, I guess. Hutchie, anyway. we, we reintroduced uh, one of our uh, once semi-regular segments in, in Rules for Some off the top of this show today. I want to... Uh, also revisit something we did a little bit more often than we do these days, that being this. On the sounding board, Spin City for DrinkWise. Remember, you won't miss a moment if you drink wise. This is the segment that got you into trouble professionally, personally, privately, whichever way, Hachi, because you spin your way under the guise of whoever's in the news in that week in question 
out of problems um, to the point where no one believes what you say to them in a, any situation. <laughs> so it amused me, Hutchie. We had to back off for those reasons. But I want to reintroduce it today because Nadia Bartel, uh, I have it on the best of authority, Hutchie, is is in the last throes of, of devising a media plan out of her situation. We yep. know what happened a few weeks ago with the video sent by her, her good friend on a social media about her um, taking a white substance, which even the Victorian police weren't able to work out whether it was cocaine or not. And that's what they said, Hutchie. The chief commissioner of police said we, don't, we haven't been able to ascertain if it was cocaine. So anyway, that's where that's at. But media-wise, Nadia Bartel is going to do something or certainly planning to do something soon. I want to put you into the Spin City chair as Nadia Bartel today as you're going through the final stages of this. So, Nadia, thank you for your time today on The Standing Book. My pleasure. What is it you hope to achieve with your relaunch? Well, firstly, let me reiterate my apology for my actions. I let people down. I'm a role model and I fully accept and have owned my actions and take responsibility for it. I understand people are going to have lots of questions about the photo, the vision, the night, the act, but I'm moving forward with my life. I'm not here to answer any questions about the particulars of the night other than to say I apologise emphatically for my actions. They let the community of people down who follow me. I'm looking forward from here on, not back. The front window of the car is far bigger than the rear vision mirror. If you're looking in the rear vision mirror, you're going to crash into what's in front of you. I'm looking ahead. I totally respect you'll have questions today. What, what are you apologising for? My actions on the evening, my actions were reprehensible. They let me and my community down. Why? I've taken full responsibility for the What was reprehensible about them if you're not admitting to what it was you took? I don't know how many more times I can apologise to you other than to say, I'm sorry, I've taken full responsibility and accountability. Nadia, was it cocaine? I'd ask you to respect my privacy as we move forward. Privacy? I have owned my actions. <laughs> Your friend, put on, on social the... media what you're doing. You've you've relinquished the right to privacy with due respect, Nadia. I have owned my actions on the evening. I have apologised. <laughs> sure you have. The particulars about the evening, the night, the act, my <laughs> friendship and my love and support for my friend involved are on the public record. What's that got to do with it? I don't feel anything is achieved by going backwards when we can go forwards. I'm moving forward with my life. I've taken responsibility for my actions. You can ask as much as you like about the particulars of the said evening or thereafter, but all I can do is own my actions and apologise. Can I just ask you one more? Did the Victoria Police actually ask you what it was? Once again, I've owned my actions on the evening. (laughs) I've apologised emphatically for them. I let the community of people down who follow me closely, and I move forward with with my life. (laughs) I don't know whether I should be laughing. Sorry, I'm going to say Andy Spin City certainly there. <laughs> How does she answer that in all seriousness, Archie? We, we stop Spin City just the way you did. Well, there's no perfect way to do it. What, wouldn't is there is there a case to be made? Go, I'm, I, yep, yep, that was cocaine. Is there? Well, a- I don't think so because what happens is this: you're going to have an awkward press conference like that, where yep. you're just going to have to hold your stance and your nerve against the battering of questions, continue to apologise and move on. Yeah. What is really achieved? Nothing. Nothing's achieved by admitting it. Everyone knows what they think it was. If you agree with them, it's a new round of headlines. You know, my drug shame. Um, if you if you don't, people go, Well, there's still going to be a round of headlines. Nadia continues to my, my advice to deny her, what was on. My advice to her would be, look, get on with things. Yep. Start becoming more public again. Perhaps do a sit-down with someone you know and trust. Get them to ask the questions you just asked. It's going to be awkward. You're going to dodge the question. They're going to keep asking. You're going to dodge it. They're going to keep asking it. 
Don't worry about it. As long as you're apologising, people are going to move on. You're just going to get one awkward presser out of the way. That's all I would be. I would be advising you to do. Yeah. I wouldn't be saying admit to so it. So you do a you do a one on one and then a presser. I look at upside v downside. Or a media conference, as TJ TJ doesn't like it when we refer to presses. There's going to be media well, conference. I wouldn't do it all in. What's the point of that? You're just going to get a bunch of just you know daily mailers turn up and try and you know, point score off the back of you and have a stand up camera going with you in the background. And you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be turning myself into a sport. Nadia is. We're all entitled in life to make mistakes. Of course we are. Nadia made one. Yeah, just own the mistake. One that, that Whether it was a big mistake or a mistake somewhere in the middle, doesn't matter. People aren't going to give you any discount if you admit what you did. People aren't going to change their minds if you say you didn't. But don't worry about it. Just get on with it. There's no discount if there's an admission. There is no discount on See, admission. See, I, I reckon there is. No discount. Not really? It's a very retrievable and savable public position for her yep. if she stares it down. And I would just be moving forward. Yep. Like, that's Whatever happened, happened. I'm here to own it. Yep. Hutchie, the, the health and, and safety of the horses in any horse race is obviously a, a major issue, and, and I, I feel the authorities, for what it's worth, do, do a, a reasonably good job, and, and having said that, there's clearly room for improvement. I raise that because the fatalities in, in the Flemington Carnival, particularly the Melbourne Cup, in, in relatively recent times have been horrendous. And as such, there's been new initiatives introduced to protect the horse's welfare and to, to to force people who train the horses and look after the horses to to subject the horse to scannings in a way that hopefully before the event they can detect injuries and ailments to horses. I raise all that by way of introduction to this last night, which came through as a release from Racing Victoria. Racing Victoria advises that the standing CT scanner at the UVET Equine Centre, brackets UVET, has incurred a mechanical issue and is temporarily out of operation. As a result, mandatory scanning of Melbourne Cup entrance has been unable to proceed as scheduled yesterday and today. Racing Victoria has been working with UVET and the manufacturers to source a replacement part which is in transit from the USA, noting that current COVID impacts on international (laughs) travel will influence its delivery time. The current expectations are that the scanner will not be operational until at least this Thursday, 28 October, being the final day on which standing CT scans may be undertaken for the Melbourne Cup. You can't make that up. You can't make it up. This is like an episode of the Hello Man or Utopia, isn't it? The Hello Man yeah. was the one that sprung to mind. Let's put. Let's just deal with this for a second. Yeah, I, I had to check. I sent this to you last night, and your response was, "Is this for real?" I thought it was one of those uh, parody jokes going around on Twitter, <laughs> like a fake footy. I had to go searching, like, like fake Racing Victoria. Yeah, I had to go searching for it. I thought it was something out of the Chaser or something. <laughs> your response was actually genuinely funny. Is this for real? No, I did. So let's let's run this for a moment. Racing Victoria have, I feel for them so much in this. They have stood up. Hard on animal welfare. They've admitted a year ago they've got to make changes. Yeah. They've introduced a controversial scanning to get entrance in. A tough law. It's an onerous they've scan. Done, and a, what I understand is um, an aggressive media campaign on podcast and social for the sake of transparency. We weren't part of that. So, but I've seen the the creative around the place of them sending a very strong message that they won't. They're going to be really hard on animal the, the, the ads have been, I've been told, everywhere. Yep. They've got the off-the-track program, which Mitch Cleary is obviously a new ambassador for. And, and Jane, and, just with that ad, we might um, we might insert that for those uh, who haven't heard it. Only here at the Victorian Spring Racing Carnival do we examine all horses before the carnival's biggest races and scan every horse before the Melbourne Cup to prevent injuries. Only here has the off-the-track program supported retired racehorses since 2012. And do we reset careers for the horses that need it most? 
Only here do we cheer like this. That's because there's nothing else, nowhere else, like the Victorian Spring Racing Carnival. They've done everything. They've spent, they've deterred, they've, they, their house is like, they've built a fortress around this thing. Can you imagine the meeting on Monday morning? Righto, checklist. Let's go over everything. Media campaign, tech, yeah. horses. Crowds. We've got, we got crowds. Crowds. Yep. Uh, public sentiment on welfare, yep. better. Uh, strong message sent. Trainers, media box, yep. The, the, the Everest is finished, so we've got the, that clear space for a little bit. Peter Vlandis won't get us yep. this week, yep. Uh, early scanning results. Uh, 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 have you got? Can we just take that offline? <laughs> offline? We're all in the room here, mate. There's 15 departments. <laughs> No, that new initiative that we introduced last year. Um, What's happening? Yeah, we there? had a we had a call this morning from our friends over at the UVet Equine Centre. Yep, well that's fantastic. How how the last of the horses going? Um, you're not going to believe this. Uh, old mate, there's lost one of the parts on the scanner, and we can't get the. Well, surely, surely, oh, we, turn it up. Surely yes. we can get a, a fresh part. Surely, surely we've got a replacement part. Yeah, the problem is, is he, he went to order it back in June, but then on that day something happened, and then he forgot, and then his boss was on leave for two weeks. And then when by the time he came back, he needed another level of approval on the part, and then it was like out of scope. So, so where's the part right now? Oh, I have to get one in from the US. <laughs> Off the record, yeah. is, it, is it really coming from the US, or we just can't find it, or the machine's just totally cooked and we're, we're yeah. going to have to do it with our own eyes? Well, there surely must be other places in Melbourne that we can scan. The- can't, we can't make a part? It's just a little widget, isn't it? It's the only place we can scan them in, unfortunately. <laughs> so in as we speak, a week out from the Cup, how many of the remaining horses in the race have been scanned? Of the 19? Yeah, no. Um, at the moment, still waiting on those. <laughs> this but is part, a- If the part arrives by Thursday, we'll be fine. <laughs> Can you imagine how that meeting went oh, down? Oh, well. Now, I, I say this. There's not a laughing matter this, by the way, but I, I feel unbelievably for Racing Victoria. They have done everything right. They've sent the strongest message known to man. <laughs> Except get the part for the UVET scanner. How is the UVET... Yeah. I don't know who the UVET Equine Centre is, and I feel for them, I guess, too, if they've had a part issue. But seriously, well, how could there be a part go? I guess in COVID times, these things happen, right? There's things happen that you don't expect and see. So the, the machine to detect the potential breakdown of a horse has broken down. Yeah. Yeah. Just, on the on the eve of the Melbourne Cup. And in, in COVID times, it's actually like, if you'd done that five years ago, you'd There'd been inquests, right? But it, like things are just happening everywhere like this yeah. in the world because there's problems unforeseen, delivery's right. hard. So do you then sign off on those unvetted horses or unscanned horses, I should say, because every horse can be vetted, but unscanned horses. I read the list of things that they've done since. They've put a very they put the best rigorous process they can. But they have the Hutchie, the whole initiative was around this machine. I remember the yeah, whole release. I and know, and I got... I bought the spiel and I bought the spin that this machine was going to detect well, things would... that the human eye and human hand couldn't. What would you do? Would you cancel the race? Would you scratch the nineteen runners? I or... guess I, I bet you they won't be cancelling the race. They're not cancelling the race. Of course they're not. I can't scratch nineteen of the thirty five runners. They've been transparent. They've said the exact number of horses they've been scanned. Well, they've, they've been transparent it. once someone got onto it. I and think. they list no, that's it's, it's it's I a, think the release came out. I don't know. Who, big, I actually don't know who broke the story, but I think the release came out after it was yeah, but, media released but by they, media they outlets. They had had a board meeting yesterday and outlined a list of things additionally that they would do, which is the best they could probably do in the situation. Which they were doing prior to this scanner, Hutchie. The scanner was the was the I think key plank of the new policy. They've handled it one hundred out of hundred racing. Oh, of course you think. What that. else could they have done? They've been let down by a mechanical part at the UVet Equine Centre. Um, now I know every time I race, raise racing Victoria, you you get all edgy and antsy with me because you don't like me bagging them. But how's the once iconic Manicato Stakes looking compared with the uh, Everest Hutchie the previous week? 
Well, I think we had, we had a group of benchmark seventy eight horses running around. That's being a little bit harsh and critical of the reasonably good field that was assembled on Friday night before the Cox Plate meeting. But it was a pretty ordinary Group One sprint field, Hutchie. Yeah, I think they've admitted that, and they the Burnie Valley Racing Club that they're reviewing the race and the timing of it. Look, clearly the best horses went to Sydney. That's well, Peter Valenti's has got them officially. Well, fifteen million dollars will get will do that. Best sprinters in the world, fifteen million dollars. So they've got a problem. They've got to move the timing of the race. I, I don't know anything about horse racing. Other, you've got to remove the t- the timing of your own race because you can't come up with a proper initiative to combat one man well, who, who was described as a silly little man by Amanda Elliott, if you remember, some years ago. Yeah, but money changes everything, doesn't it? It's a little man she described him as, and then the one the one initiative they tried as a racing Victoria body, as which she yep. was part of, collective body. Well, you own a um, you she, own a sprinter. They, they, they then introduced what was the All Star Mile, which was the same thing, but at a third of the prize money. You own a sprinter. It's do I say you do, and you can get into the Everest. Are you going to be running six days later in the Manicato? But that's the point. He's a He's killed off parts of the spring carnival. Well, he has. There's many other ways. Manicato Stakes, Hutch, it's a pretty iconic race, named after one of the great sprinters. It is, but it'll be, it can be iconic elsewhere. They can move it forward. They can move it back. There's a million things they can do. They because can, someone's got them. They might, you know. How is it too? They dodge the bullet Moody Valley. They they run a full race program on the Friday night before their grand final, that being the Cox play. Yeah. And they dodge the rain by a matter of hours both that night and the morning after, ten races before it's like playing. It's like it'll be like playing three matches of football at the MCG on the Friday night you're a, you're before a, the grand final. You're a track expert now, eh? Oh, you all of a sudden you. Well, they dodged the bullet, Archie. That that was very close to being a mess. That that track, and only because of the grace of the rain yep. falling at a different time. I think they they've conceded they need to change the timing of the race and review it, and they'll they'll do that, and that happens. Yep. But I think the the Everest though was. A, it was a magnificent success. B, oh, it's it was amazing. It was good for racing everywhere. Your argument about it takes away money and revenue has been completely dispelled. It actually just drives the whole racing industry that day everywhere. Everyone wins out of it. Everybody. Yeah, but again, people are getting a okay. If, if okay, let, let, let's get, let me concede that point then. But it, the the initiative is Sydney driven or New South Wales driven, and everyone just gets off on the coattails of it. Yeah. Well, where's exactly. the initiative in this That's state? Exactly what happens. The, the ladies been the, the Everest has now been run. Is it five times? Four it's or not five. five. Well, Redzell won the first two. I know yep. that, and then Classic Legend won yep. one year, and then four or five times. Nature Strip this year. There's, there's at least four. There might even be another one winner that I've forgotten. Um, so at least four, maybe five. What has Racing Victoria done to combat any of this? We got a Cup Carnival. That's been around for 150 years. Caulfield. That's Cup. been around for 100 years. We got the Mile in March. The, oh, the Mile in March. Which was a copycat, poor man's version of the Everest. I don't know why you get so hung up on these things. Oh, but I don't know yeah. why you just keep supporting them. I, I do know why, but anyway. Can I ask you about the Lisa Wilkinson pay twist? Yep. Fascinating this. Yeah. Book comes out. Lisa Wilkinson, in great detail, talks about the day she was sacked and the pay dispute. Right? Talks about it in detail. Then the strategic leaking goes on. Yeah. I don't know who or how or who, yeah. whose interest it was. Yep. But somebody on the other side is leaking that hang on a minute. This I, this I, bit's not factually correct. A that never happened on yep. the day. Yep. B Lisa once earned twice as much as Carl and no one there was no That was an interesting part of it. And C Peter Ford was running around saying, I've I got access to the rundown on the day. <laughs> 
Like someone's someone's left. And that was in reference to, I think, Lisa in the book writing that someone, someone read the news that morning on her last show. Is that what you're referring well, to? And then it was- He said, I've, I've got a copy of the rundown of the morning and the, the throws were evenly distributed. Actually, you, you've hosted a TV show for- Let's go with twenty years. I've never done a rundown in the last twenty four hours. You don't. You don't even have a rundown when you've get, what you're actually hosting this, the show. This rundown here, Sounding Board Series Six, Episode Thirty Nine. You see it as you will walk be into the in studio. the bin by nine thirty this morning, right? And you, and you don't even look at it anyway. How is this? Is the morning wars sort of stuff? How has someone hung on to the rundown? Is that true? It can't be true. Well, it would be. It would be in the computer system somewhere. Is is what your point is? Isn't isn't it? I think is what you're saying. How do you score the uh, battle on this? Uh, look, I, I've stopped reading it, to, to be honest with you. I really have. I, when you know there's point scoring, and there's point yep. scoring on, on every single angle. It's grubby, isn't it? It is grubby, but are you surprised? I mean, it's TV. You, 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 I guess not. I mean, you, you've been involved in some grubby moments too. Not of your own doing, is, is my point there. I mean, you, you get caught up in these things. And if you then want to... Again, everyone's got. I hate this phrase, Hachi, but that—that's my truth, and that's their truth. And yep. the truth is just a commodity, Hachi. Lisa Wilkinson would be writing this through her memory. Her tr- just, it's her truth. Through her memory, what happened? It's not. She's not distorting it. The others would have a different perspective. It, generally speaking, these things—the truth lies somewhere in the middle, doesn't it? Sometimes well, it's nowhere near the middle, but, well, but yeah, but yes, I, I agree. But I have watched. It just it. sounds like an awkward and sad situation, and. You know, is it sad? Is it? I, don't, I think I don't know whether it's sad. I don't know that it's sad. And the fling around of the money publicly has been a bit unnecessary, isn't it? Well, that's the whole thing's about that. Yeah. The claim was made that that so she was getting you, less. Can I ask you the, ask you this question? Do you, do you feel that breakfast TV hosts should be paid the same? No, no, I don't. You because no, no, so I, you think it would have been reasonable for Nine to pay Lisa less than Carl? Well, by the sound of it, there's an argument that she's paid a whole lot more. Once, yeah, once upon a time. No, actually, because life, look, to me, I don't want to overcomplicate things sometimes. Life doesn't work that way. If I mean, you, you know, what was that book you once referred to, and I still should get around to reading, and I might do it in my 10 weeks off, um, the US-based book, the, the Superstar, or the, about the host broadcasters. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. I would have thought the sentiment in that book would would answer your question that whoever whoever is the blockbuster component to the show and whether it was Lisa whether it was Carl I don't know but at one stage it, it may have been Lisa at one stage it may have been Carl yep. isn't that the dictation of the wage Partic- yeah. particularly in a brutal industry like TV it's fascinating isn't it yeah but no no I, I don't think the concept of equal pay and this is not a male female thing or a gender thing um, there's been situations where there's been two males hosting a, a Show who who I don't think should get the same money if if the internal polling of the station suggests one is the serious draw cut. Would you have, I, have you changed your views on that? Well, there was, this is a pretty complicated one, right? Because Lisa, if you read reports, Lisa was earning more than Carl early days. I'd say that's absolutely fair and reasonable. Carl was a young absolutely TV is. guy given an opportunity. Lisa was an established star, but the claim was that she wasn't getting paid the same as Carl. Uh, originally, she was paid more, which is, I think, spot on yeah. in the early days because it was Lisa's role and Carl was asked to prove himself in it. There was a point over time where Carl had proved himself and they were entitled to the same money. The challenge came when Carl got the big grandfather offer from Seven because then you're trying to fight probably to keep him. Yeah. 
But what, what I will say is that no one can feel sorry for anyone in this story, and particularly once once you then go down a path a of, of money, playing though. it out in the media. It's a lot um, of money for audience. Like, but, once you make a claim, Hutchie, of, of any nature attached to this story, yep. it's going to be shot down, whether, it, whether it's factually right all, or wrong. For all of its uh, unbelievable marketing roles in each network and its role structurally in fundamentally, the breakfast TV audiences aren't, aren't big. No, they're not big, but they still set the day up, don't they? Still in that in that traditional do, sense of viewership, money per audience. Gee, they're paid all whoever you may be. They're all paid pretty well. But you also know too that if if one of the major networks, and let's go with seven and nine in terms of the commercial sense of it, um, stop doing a show, you know that the next boss that came in, the first thing he yeah. or she would do would be starting a new, a new uh, breakfast show. They make money because they can drive product placement and integration. They yeah. set your news agenda up. They're a great halo effect on the business. I think they're and they're a huge part of the way you market. Are they a lost leader? Are they the show itself? I don't think they're necessarily a lost leader, but I would say they make money. I would say they make money, make good money. But they they, they pay pretty well, don't they? Yeah, R- regardless of who you are for it. And thankfully, they're still around because um, there's not many live TV shows around anymore, are there? Yep. Anyway, question of the week time, Hutchie. Let's go to that now. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. A couple of options uh, this week. I might go with this one from Stewie EH via Twitter. The Victorian Department of Health have started focusing more on reporting hospitalisations rather than daily case numbers. Yet the media is yet to follow suit. What role, if any, should the media play in transitioning away from reporting the high daily case numbers? I have a strong view on this, Stu, and I'm glad you asked. The media can report on daily cases as long as it likes. It, its job is to test what the public's interested in, not what the politicians want them to be interested in. Yeah. There might be a point where the public get less interested in the daily cases. I think that will come. Yep. It's not now. And as we've seen in London, it still remains relevant. You know, in London, we've got forty-five to 50,000 cases a day at the moment. Uh, that, is it up to that high again? Yeah. Got to, peaked at 49, I think, on the weekend. At the, at the moment, there is talk about a plan B in the UK and- whether a form of some form of restriction again. into the winter needs mm. needs to be uh, prevalent. There's a public debate going on. That public debate is all based upon the daily cases. The daily cases we will be taught are irrelevant in the next three months. Yeah. I'll tell you what, come April, I'm going to be like, if you're not watching the daily cases in the UK and looking at the trends, that's we've got a winter ahead of us in March, April again. Yeah. And it's it, their vaccination rates are strong, but not we think will be much stronger. Yeah, it's, I think they're very relevant. I, and I reckon media will keep reporting the daily number ongoingly. Yep, yep. And, and given the whole thing has been a PR campaign from the health departments as well as there being a health component yep. to their campaigns and, and, the, and the government's clearly, um, yeah, I'm with you. The hard the harder sell they've got is, is the boosters. We're gonna That's going to need to go hard and early. I'm going to be as big on boosters as I am on vaccine. It's going to be super important. If you look at London... One of the one of the areas you could probably be a bit cynical on if you were a cynical person like you, Damo, is the length of the vaccine. Like the booster rates are not being rolled out at the same level as the second doses. I think there's a gap of a million at the moment for those that are eligible versus those who've had the booster, and they're early into their vaccine run because they win early. So, the, fortunately, we're going to go hard here in about two weeks from now on booster, and the the anecdotal. I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. Well, you've got a line of sight on it because of the business attached to, to it. There's, so, a, there's a lot of people that would suggest that the boosters are going to be uh, uh, 
even more important than the yeah. second and, dose. And the, the cynical amongst everyone would be that those booster numbers and percentages will be caught up in the yep. in the new free, phrase of uh, return to freedom. Yeah, so but that's going to be a harder sell. Like what, what we because we're in a lockdown, selling the second vaccine rate has been easier, and the society's re- reacted. We're going to have one of the most vaccinated countries in the world, which is so wonderful. How, how relieved are we for that? That we're going to be able to get to ninety plus percent? You think as a society, the challenge now is to get everyone boosted. That'll be the that'll be the PR blitz before Christmas, I'm sure. All right, good question, Shuey. Thank you for that. Uh, that was. Episode 39 of Series 6 of The Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose the Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to The Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo for Drinkwise. Make sure you find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sounding Board EP. Hit the sign-up button on Facebook to receive our weekly email and subscribe to, rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Listener.